Amen. Can we give the Lord another round of applause this morning? God bless you. Well, thank you for being here. Those who are in the room, those who are gathering with us online as well, we're so excited for what the Lord uh, is doing in the life of our church. And so thank you for being here. We've been in this series of faith uh, these last couple of months as we've been looking at stories of the Old Testament. We've been going back and forth to Hebrews 11. You know, Hebrews 11 is God's hall of faith. And then you come to verse six and it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we know that all that we're talking about, all that we're proclaiming, the Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith. And so we recognize that faith is the beginning of it all. But faith is the continual journey as we were just singing. We go to the altar every day to profess faith in what God is doing in our lives. And so we've been hearing these stories of faith. And so today we kind of pause and we want you to hear the story of faith here within the life of our church. Uh, God has been doing some really cool things next week. Uh, we invite you to come be a part of what God's doing. You'll get a chance to meet Eric Hammond, um, our prospective yeah, executive pastor, as he will come and share his testimony. You'll get to see him, hear him, meet him. And so that's next Sunday. And then we'll vote after the third service uh, for him to come on board on our staff. Also, let me say this. We celebrate today LeGay and Daryl McDowell. LeGay is on our senior team. Her daughter, Alexa, had her baby this past week. And so Alexa is one of our missionaries with our Maya. Yeah, Give the Lord a round of applause, uh, little Naomi. And so we celebrate um, their blessing there. Today, we want to share a little bit of what God's been doing in the life of our church. You know, our church is 23 years old, just to kind of give you a little bit of a history. Uh, I'm the second pastor. I came on board uh, in 2008, but the church was planted in 1999. And it was planted out of South Norfolk Baptist Church with about 70 people. And there's some of you in the room who are a part of that original 70 that felt God calling uh, to this area of Chesapeake. Now, if you remember, you go back to the mid 90s, the late 90s, there wasn't much out here, right? There wasn't an interstate. It was mostly farmland. And it's amazing to hear the story of the original pastor, Dr. Dennis Colbert, of how the Lord led them to this property. And then to hear the story of how you know, God allowed them to purchase this property. Then to hear the story that for eight years, as many of you know, they would set up and take down as a church plant set up and take down. And it took eight years to get to the property here, which was just a gym and the back hallway. And that's about the time that I got here as well. And in the heart of this church, it has always been planning churches. Because we're a church plant, the DNA has always been there. And the prayer and the dream has always been that the Lord would lead us to plant a church. It's been on my heart since I got here. And I know it's been in the DNA of River Road. And so to hear the story, I got here in 2008, and it was about that time that we did our first mission trip. I don't know if you remember, we sent a, a, a youth team to Costa Rica and they came back excited about what God was doing. And at that time, there was someone named Darlene Gentry. I don't know if she's in the room, Tim and Darlene Gentry, original members here. She was serving as our missions team coach. And we were talking about praying about, okay, where can the Lord lead us where we can develop a relationship? We don't want to just do popcorn missions. What that means is you go to a country, you spend a week there and you're out and they never see you again. Like we want to go to a place where we can develop a relationship that we can grow, you know, in this ministry together. And she came back to me and she said, he, she said, I don't know what this means. She said, but the Lord has laid Africa on my heart. And that was not even on my radar. I was still thinking maybe South America, some areas like Costa Rica, where we were going. She said, Africa. And I said, well, let's just pray about that. It was about two months later, true story, that I received an email asking me if I would go on a visioning trip to Lesotho. 
I had never heard of Lesotho, to be quite honest with you. I had to Google Lesotho. I'm like, is Lesotho even in Africa? Like, what is Lesotho? And so I Googled Lesotho, and this is what I found, a little country, this little circle that is really right in the center of South Africa. It's gonna be in the center of South Africa. And, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's an elevated, country. it's like a mountainous country right in the middle of South, and it's amazing even their story of how they gained their independence. But they were an unreached people group. And they said, will you go on this visioning trip? I'm like, sure, I'll go on this visioning trip. 15 hours in a plane, eight hours in a car. That sounds awesome. And so let's go on this mission trip. I met this family. I met Jim and Teresa Flora. Jim and Teresa Flora were IMB missionaries um, to Lesotho. And I was so just, just challenged by them. This is later. This was probably 10 years later. In 2012, when I met them, Grace was probably 13. And you got Rebecca and Anna. They were probably 10 and 8. And I remember seeing this family who had adopted these three girls. They, they had three sons who lived back in America who were married with children. And so these were grandparents that left their family in America, their comfortable life. He was pastoring the church. They were all there together. They felt a calling into the mountains of Lesotho. And I remember going there and just being so challenged by this family that he would pick up his life, his wife and his three little girls and go to a place that they didn't know the language. They didn't know the people. All they had was a heart for the gospel, for them to hear the story of Jesus. So I went on my visioning trip. Some of you will remember this. I went on my visioning trip and, and me, Jesus, and this horse got real close. That's not the horse. That was a typical worship service. Let me just tell you a picture right there. And that donkey did not, he did not pay any attention at all. So 10 years ago, I got on this horse named Bucky and me and him became real good friends during that time. Because you have to ride a horse to some of these villages. You can't get to them. And so we rode a horse for three hours to the top of this village. And literally on the side of a cliff, this horse who looked sketchy, by the way, look how he ain't eaten in a couple of weeks, but he had really good balance on these mountains. I'm telling you, my prayer life got real deep during that time. I remember going to a village and having kids come up and rub my arms. And I'm like, what, you know, what's going on? And he said, they've never seen a white guy before. And I'm like, please don't judge them all by me. Like there's better ones out there, I assure you. But my heart was just, just so like challenged. Man, there's people who have never heard, they've never heard the name of Jesus. And so we came back and began to pray and really, you know, again, just fell in love with the land, fell in love with the people. So we began to develop this relationship with the Flores. Many of you have gone on these trips. One of the first main trips we sent was a medical missions trip. Many of you remember Dr. David Klink, who was an eye doctor, and they were praying specifically for an eye doctor because so many had struggled with different things because they're so elevated and close to the sun. And so we began to see God just connect these ministries together. A little bit later... I received a phone call from Kyle Toddy. Kyle Toddy was original member of our church. He was in seminary at the time. He and Kim, both of them felt a calling into missions. And so we brought them on board probably about 2006 and the Lord began to take these two lanes where it was Lesotho, but also we began to see God leading this young man and his wife through these merging lanes to Lesotho. And we believe, right, our, our strategy here is to live every, our mission statement, live every day captivated and changed by Jesus. Our strategy is to worship, connect, serve, and go. And I look at Matthew 28. Take your Bibles if you wouldn't go there for me just a moment. 
And I want you to just read the last words of Jesus. And I want you to hear the heart of Pastor Kyle. He's going to come out and share. And I stand on this stage excited to share with you that we feel led to plant a church in Lesotho. Can I get an amen, right? This is an amazing day in the life of our church. We've been praying for a church plant. I didn't know it would be in Africa, to be quite honest with you. God has a way of doing things that are different than what we think or can dream of. And it's amazing to think that here we are today as a body of believers and God is leading us to support, pray, and send a family to Africa. You're going to hear more about that in just a second. Stand with me if you would. Let me just read the words of Jesus. The last word spoken to us really is the mission of the church. It's the mission of us as a body of believers. He says this in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then we have the great commission, verse 19 and 20, that we should all live by. Go therefore, he says, go therefore, make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. And all of God's people said, amen. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news that you have given us. For sinners who are desperate, There's nothing we can do to bridge that gap between you and us, but Christ did that for us. And we thank you for Jesus, your son, who came and lived a perfect life, a sinless life, so that he might be a substitute for us as sinners. We thank you for Jesus who died in our place. We thank you for Jesus who did not just die, but who rose again. And because of that, we can proclaim the message that you have given us. Lord, you have sent us a command to go, to go into our community, to go into our nation, but to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we thank you, Lord, for the way you have led us to Lesotho. We have seen your hand clearly over these years. And Lord, now we are excited to take a step of faith, a huge step of faith, a step of faith for us as a church, but a step of faith for this family. And so God, may you bless this. May you lead this. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of sharing the message that you give. The hope that lies within us is Jesus. Lord, may we be quick to speak that name in our homes, in our jobs, to all the nations. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Give Pastor Kyle a round of applause as he comes out. He's going to share and connect the dots. Amen. Thanks, bro. Yes, sir. Oh, you had a fist bump. I did a high five. <laughs> we still made it. All, all right. right. All right. Here we are. Here we are. I'm bringing my coffee out here because my kids don't sleep very well, so I hope you don't mind. And I came on staff, Pastor Heath, not in 2006. I was still a kid. Uh, 2016. So a decade later, 2016 is when I came on staff. Um, it really is cool just to see how God has orchestrated all the details through, um, through all of our lives, of course, but through this church, the way that he's worked in this church and specifically in the mountains of Lesotho and our opportunity uh, there with the Flora family, um, so many stories that we could tell you um, from our time with that family and in the mountains of Lesotho. So I'm going to share a few with you this morning uh, with our time together. But before I do, what I want to do is kind of catch you up on where we've been. As Pastor Heath was just saying, kind of the history of our involvement in the mountains of Lesotho. Um, was such that we didn't really know as a church exactly where God was going to lead us to make disciples of all nations. You know, we know as a church our calling and as individuals our calling is to make disciples 
in our daily lives. So that's with our families and our friends and our coworkers and those we meet in the community is to make disciples of them and of all nations, to make disciples of all peoples. And God gives us all specific uh, individual callings as he's put us in different places to make those disciples. I know for some of us as we're raising families, that calling is to make disciples of our families, of our, of our children. Um, to spend time with unbelievers in our, in our friend group, in our, our communities. So we know that specifically God has called us to this mission as a church and as individuals to make disciples of all peoples so that they will give glory to the one who is deserving of that glory. When I came to faith um, in my early 20s, when I came to faith, it was through reading the good word uh, of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, I grew up in church and I'd heard it all my life, but until I was confronted with it on my own, um, I didn't really understand it in, in my heart. So when I came to faith, I was almost 21 years old and it came through spending time uh, on my own uh, in college, just beginning to ask big questions, having no direction in life, kind of wondering, okay, what is this all about? What is the purpose to this thing that we call life? And as I began to ask those questions, I didn't know where to turn other than to turn back to Scripture. So I began to open up the scriptures, and as I read the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I began to realize that what God had given us was, was what we needed uh, to understand truth. So as I was reading the Gospels, God confronted me here. I began to understand that I was a sinner in need of a uh, Savior. And all the answers I found were, were in scripture, the ones that I needed, that Jesus came to pay the price that I couldn't pay to save me from my sins. So when I, when I was confronted with that, I put my faith and trust in Jesus at about 20, almost 21 years old. And at the same time, God gave me uh, what we typically call as a calling. It wasn't God speaking a voice in my head. There wasn't something specific that happened other than as I was reading his word, I understood from scripture that there are many people in the world that do not know the good news of Jesus. Now, many of those people that don't know the good news of Jesus they live next door to you. They live next door to me. They, they, they are in our office spaces. We work with them. We see them in the community. There are many people in our own community that don't know the good news of Jesus. Maybe they know the name of Jesus. Maybe they can articulate some things about what we believe, but they've never been confronted with the good news before. So we know from Scripture that many people all over, all over the world do not know the good news of Jesus, but I was also confronted at the same time through reading the Word that there are many people around the world that not only do not know Jesus, they have no access to knowing Jesus. There are many people all over the world who living next door to them is not a follower of Jesus. In their community, there's not one follower of Jesus. In their community, their village, wherever they live, there's not even a Bible written in their own language that they can read. In their community, maybe even in their city or in their entire country, there's not someone who is walking through and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. There are many people in our own lives that we can probably all point out somebody in our own life that doesn't know the good news of Jesus and that we can be committed to making disciples here. But there are also people who have no access to the gospel. They can't go next door and say, hey, what about these questions? Can you give me answers? They can't go in their community and find the word of God. So as I began to understand that conviction, God was calling me into, into something that I didn't really understand, that he was going to use me 
at some point to go and take this good news of Jesus that has just changed my life to someone who has never heard it before. Someone who has never heard the name of Jesus spoken in their language. Someone who has never heard of what he's done for us. My wife at the same time um, was also having the same sense, the same feeling in her as the Spirit was guiding her. As she came to faith in middle school, uh, she was trying to figure out what, what God had for her life, and our lives are much the same. And, and we met and uh, we began to have those conversations and realized, okay, God has brought us together for a greater purpose, to make disciples also in our own lives here, but to go one day and to take it to someone who has never heard it before. In 2013, I had the opportunity um, through River Oak and through the International Mission Board to connect with the Flora family and to spend five months in the mountains of Lesotho with them. It was around the same time that River Oak was beginning a a partnership uh, with the Flora family, as Pastor Heath had mentioned, that God had called me to go and spend five months there. I had to go spend a semester abroad. I knew of a connection that we had through our church with the Floras in Lesotho, and I thought, that sounds awesome. The mountains are beautiful. I'll go and check it out. So I did and spent five months with the Flora family and, and what happened changed my life completely. As I spent time with Jim and Teresa and their family and I watched them live daily life in a remote part of the world around a people in a culture that is not their own, speaking a different language, as I watched them operate and live on mission with God, it changed my life. So during that five months that I was there in the mountains of Lesotho with the Floras, I began not only to understand the mission of the Floras and the International Mission Board in the mountains of Lesotho, but I also began to understand the mission of God, that God has called every single one of us, those of you who have faith in Jesus, he's called every single one of us to make disciples. I think a lot of times we tend to complicate what he's called us to do, when in reality he's called us to take what we know, what we've experienced through our salvation in Jesus, and share it with others. We can turn to our neighbors and say, hey man, are you doing okay? And when they say, no, not really, we can say, well, let me tell you what's changed my life. God has called all of us to make disciples by sharing the good news of Jesus. And as I watch the Flora family in the mountains of Lesotho, pour out all of themselves on a daily basis, I understood that they were in a place that was so spiritually dark that there was hardly any light piercing into it. And I watched them work day after day to make sure people understood and heard the good news of Jesus. As the light was pierced into the darkness, God was using them and their obedience to make disciples, to have lives changed in the mountains of So I began to understand that the mission of God was no different for all of us, that we're called to make disciples no matter where God has placed us. But then I began to understand, okay, this mission in the mountains of Lesotho is amongst a people group, the Basotho people in the mountains, who have no access to the gospel. And the Floras were beginning to bring the access to the gospel into the mountains. And lives were being changed by the preaching of the good news of Jesus. The next couple of years, as River Oak Church began to uh, dive deep into this partnership with the Floras, Pastor Dave, who was at the eight o'clock service, and I made this joke uh, in front of everyone else, uh, that Pastor Dave left us. Um, But during that time, before he left us, Pastor Dave was spearheading that opportunity. 
As we committed, okay, Lord, we know that we're supposed to be a church in Chesapeake, Virginia, reaching out to the people of Lesotho through the Flora family and the International Mission Board. Pastor Dave began to pick that up and run with it. And we began to send small, short-term teams to engage the, gospel, to engage the mountains of Lesotho with the gospel. And through that, over the next couple of years, the Floras were beginning to have clarity from the Lord that, okay, this effort is so big, there are villages all over the mountains that we've not even begun to think of, let alone touch and to go into, that one family can't do it on their own. So they began to utilize partnerships from the United States with different churches and short-term teams to go and engage the gospel, uh, the, the mountains of Lesotho with the gospel of Jesus. So that's what they began to do. And in that time, around 2015, River Oak Church committed and said, okay, we will adopt this one valley in the mountains, one out of many valleys in the mountains of Lesotho, that we will be the church that is going into this valley, sharing the good news of Jesus and making disciples. It's called the Hubedu River Valley or the Red River Valley in English. And that we are the ones, our church, we're the only ones walking into that valley, bringing the good news of Jesus and seeing lives change through our obedience. So as they began this partnership with different churches all around the U.S., River Oak was just a part of that work. So over the years, as we've been engaged in that work, um, actually at about 2016, I came on staff, not 2006. I came on staff in 2016, and about a month later, Pastor Dave said, hey, pack a bag, we're going to go to Lesotho, Africa. Now, I had spent time there. I spent five months there just a few years before. So I was excited and I said, okay, I would love to go. So we packed up and we went and we met Jim Flora in Africa and drove into the mountains of Lesotho. And for the first time, we had the opportunity to drive through this river valley and see the work that was before us. Now, it's easy to look on a map and to, and to pull up Google Maps and be like, okay, this valley is only this long. It's not that big. It's really only a few miles long. This shouldn't be that difficult. Until you get there and you see how difficult it actually is just to drive and to have access to these communities. So me, Pastor Dave, and Jim, we drove through our valley. It took about four hours to get through just about two-thirds of the valley. We had to cross through the water of the river about seven or eight times. Dave was driving um, and almost killed us a couple times. <laughs> but as we drove through, I remember thinking as we were taking pictures and we were looking and taking notes, I remember thinking driving through next to the river, looking up on my right and on my left at the, the different mountaintops and looking as far as the eye could see at, at, a, at a village way at the top and thinking, how in the world are we going to get there? And then we would drive around another bend and I would look up and say, how in the world are we going to get to that village? And as we drove through for about four, four and a half hours, we counted how many villages that we saw. The only ones that we could see with our eyes and it was around a hundred villages. So a hundred villages in this one tiny valley of many valleys in the mountains of Lesotho, knowing that the people in that village had never heard the name of Jesus before. And the reality began to set in that these people not only don't have, uh, have never heard the good news of Jesus, they don't have access to it. And that we as a church have just committed to something way bigger than I think we understood. That we would be the only ones walking into that valley, driving as far as we can, taking a horseback or walking until our lungs gave out to go and share with the people in these villages the good news of Jesus. So in 2016, from about 2016 to now, 
even amidst the, the pandemic of the last however many years it's been. We've sent over two dozen teams to engage that river valley with the gospel of Jesus. So over two dozen teams, and many of you, I can see faces, many of you have been on those teams, a small part of the work that God is doing in the mountains of Lesotho. Two dozen teams have gone in, spent two weeks of their life, thousands of dollars to buy a plane ticket, to sacrifice a lot of time, energy, effort, and even health sometimes, to get into this valley, to walk into a village, to stand before them and say, we have the truth of God's word, please listen to the name of Jesus. And lives have been changed all along the way. With a little bit of time left, I could share story after story after story of what we've seen God do in the mountains of Lesotho, but just a couple of them. When I say that we've seen God do miracles, I mean, I've seen God do things in the mountains of Lesotho that I've doubted in my heart that I've, I've had trouble to rationalize. I look at something and think this makes no sense. But I believe that God is at work, of course, all over the world, specifically in the mountains of Lesotho, because there are people all over the mountains that have never heard the name of Jesus. So God is at work and he's doing miracles and performing these things so that all the people of the mountains could see his glory through his son. So as we see these things happen, it's just a blessing to be a part of the work that he's doing. Most recently, um, in the last few years, we had a lady who had come to listen to us share the gospel in a village. Uh, about 20 people had gathered. We shared the gospel. Many of them walked away. A couple of people responded in faith and realized, okay, they were confronted with the truth and they need to put their faith in Jesus. So a few of them did, but I remember this one lady staying around and she kind of hung back and she never came forward to say that she wanted to follow Jesus. She eventually just walked away. But I remember as we said, okay, what can we pray for and how can we pray for you today? I remember her saying something about how she had been trying to get pregnant for many years and she's not been able to. And now she wants to have a family and have kids of her own to continue um, her family. She didn't put her faith in Jesus, but I remember her saying that. So in my doubt and the doubt of the team with me, we said, okay, I mean, that's probably some kind of medical issue, but we'll pray for you. And we did, and we prayed, and even in my doubt, we came back the next year, and this lady came up to us smiling and holding a baby. And this is something that I just can't explain. I mean, she said for years she had been trying and trying and trying, and even in our doubt, praying for her, that God would provide this opportunity for her, he did. And even though she didn't put her faith in Jesus when we were there a year before, she came up and said, I believe in Jesus because of what he's done for me. Because of what I've seen him work in my life, I believe now that this is true. We've seen God heal people. And I mean, not just from a cough. We've seen most recently, and I think I've shared this story with some of you, a lady who was so sick that the team that was with us a few years ago assumed that she was going to die maybe any minute, any day. She was so sick and frail that she couldn't walk. Every time she coughed, I thought maybe that was gonna be her last. She was so sick that again, in my doubt, I thought there's nothing that we can do for this woman. So we walk into this village. Uh, I think Joey was with, was with me on this trip. We walk into this village and there's this man, I think is, I, I, he was covered in blood for some reason. I think he was butchering a cow. 
Uh, we walk into the village and he says, hey, look, I need you to come and, and to pray for my wife. So at this point, the villages that are near the road that we spend time in, they know why we're coming and they know why and what we do. So he said, okay, we need you to come and pray. He didn't believe in Jesus, but he knew that something was different about our God. So we said, can you come and pray? This is a last, a last ditch effort um, to save my wife. So we go into this little, um, this little house. It's dark and, and, and dirty. And this lady is coughing in the corner. She can't move. And I remember looking at her thinking um, she, she either had HIV or AIDS, which is, um, is such an issue in the mountains of Lesotho. And she looked like this was the end. And I remember asking him questions and we were talking with him about, about his wife and about the medical issues, how long this has been going on. And it's been going on for, for months. And they had been to different clinics and even been to the hospital, which is hours away and it costs money to go to. And every time she's sent home with no answers. They don't know what it is. They don't know what's wrong with her. They just said, go home, be comfortable. So we go in and we pray for this woman. Again, in our doubt and in my unbelief, I said, Lord, could you just pray? I mean, could you just heal this woman? As we pray to you, may your glory be shown through this situation. And I would love to say that we opened our eyes and she was walking around, but that wasn't what happened. She remained coughing and looking very sick. And we actually left that village thinking we wouldn't see her when we came back the next time. Well, COVID hit and we weren't able to come back for about a year and a half. And last year, the end of last year, we took a team. And as we were going into this village, we were looking for somebody else and we pulled in and that person wasn't there. And we were actually getting back in the truck to drive somewhere else when we saw this person coming up the mountain. And this lady came up the mountain and as she got closer, I remember Joey saying, hey, is that the lady that we prayed for? And as she got closer, I realized that it was her. And not only was her strength back in her, she was praising and rejoicing because of what God had done for her. We had shared the gospel with her family at that time. Her husband had come to faith and now she had come to faith in Jesus because of the work that God had done through her physically. Again, I can tell you story after story. I think we have time for, uh, for, one, uh, for one more. There's been multiple instances where we've walked into a village and someone has come up to us and said, I think you need to tell me something. Most recently, we were in a house. We were eating dinner with this family. It was evening. We were in our valley. Uh, and this, this family, this group of believers had, had offered to make us dinner one night, which is always, it's always a little nerve wracking uh, to eat things that you don't know, um, cooked with water that you know is going to make you sick. But we sat down and we ate a meal and we didn't get sick and we enjoyed it. And we had a great time with these believers. And while we were in there, there's actually a storm going on outside. It was very windy and raining. And a guy walked in the house and everyone knew who he was except for us. I'd never seen him before, but he lived in that village. And he walked in and he sat down and, you know, without being able to speak his language and he can't speak mine, we just said hello and continued just eating our dinner. Some time had passed and I remember him looking very uncomfortable sitting next to me, not knowing what to say or how to speak. And he began to speak to our translator uh, who was also a pastor in a different part of the country, he began to speak to him and said, basically, I need to talk to you guys outside. And so our translator looked at us and said, hey, we need to go and talk to this man. So we go out in the storm, jump in the truck. And I don't know what's going on other than he needs to ask us a question. So I looked at him and said, hey, well, you know, what do you need to ask us? And he said, I don't know what to ask other than I know that you have something to tell me. 
And I felt like in the book of Acts where they were like, hey, look, we don't have money, we don't have this or that to give you, but what we do have is the good news of Jesus. So we shared with him. I said, I don't know what you want, but we're going to share with you why we're here. So we shared the gospel with this man, and with a big smile on his face, he said, this is the news that I've been waiting to hear my whole life. He repented of his sins and put his faith in Jesus in that moment. And we've seen that happen over and over of people who have come up to us and said, I've been searching my whole life for spiritual truth and answers. And for the first time, I know in my heart that this is true. I've been following the old ways that have led to nothing but death and destruction. And now I see the light that is only found in Jesus. So as this work continues and as River Oak is, is partnered in this work, we're excited to say that something, uh, something else is coming. Because we know that sending short-term teams to the mountains of Lesotho, while it may be effective for a season, has kind of run its course. There's only so much that short-term teams can do in the mountains to make disciples and to see church planning movements begin in the, in the mountains of Lesotho. So we know that God has something greater for us as a church as we step even further in faith into what he's called us to in the mountains of Lesotho. Short-term teams can go share the gospel, people can respond in faith, but then there's no follow-up discipleship to take place. A lot of times we can hand people the word of God in their language and they go home without even a clue of how to read it and understand it. So we know that, that is, it is important, it is imperative that somebody goes and spends time with them full-time to train and to disciple and to see this work continue at another level. So this past February and March, as I was uh, talking to Pastor Heath and uh, the team here about what God has been doing in, in my heart and in my wife's heart separately, he had been kind of stirring our hearts to go and maybe explore whether or not he was calling us to go live there full time. And he confirmed through both of us that he was saying the same thing to both of us. And then we began to pray about it and think, okay, what would this look like? When would this happen? How would this take place? And I remember talking to Pastor Heath and the others here just about, okay, we, we think God is doing something here. Can I take my family to go just spend a month, five weeks in the mountains of Lesotho? So in February and March of this year, I took my family and over and over and over again, God confirmed what we felt he was doing in our hearts. That River Oak Church, the work of River Oak, by sending these short-term teams has been good. People have come to faith, but something greater needs to happen. The next step in this process. So as we prayed about it and we felt confirmation from the Lord over and over and over again, we feel that God is calling me and my family to go and live amongst this people full-time to make disciples, to see a disciple-making movement begin, that we could see disciples made, we can train them up, and then we can send them out. So that village that's way on top of the mountain that by the, by the time I got to it, I'd be out of breath, they can go to that village and tell them about Jesus. So that these disciples could then go to the next village over and tell them about Jesus. So that they could plant churches in all of these villages so that these people don't have to walk four, five, six hours to church one way. That they could have the good news of Jesus being proclaimed in their village on a weekly basis that they could be engaged in the work of making disciples all throughout the mountains of Lesotho. So we feel that confirmation from the Lord, but we know that God has called us not to go and to do good things in Lesotho. There are many good things that we can do and some that we will do, but God has called us to the one ultimate thing, to go and make disciples, to preach the good news of Jesus, to see hearts changed by Jesus, to watch them begin to produce the fruit of repentance and faith 
and to see them begin to, to engage in the work of making disciples all throughout the mountains of Lesotho. So our goal is to see disciple-making movements begin. So for us to be a part of that full-time, we don't know how long that's going to be. We have no idea what it's going to look like other than God has called us as a church to this position in this point in time. There are many ways that we're going to ask you guys to be involved. So over the next few months as we come back and we present to you again about the, the details in this process, what I want you to do at this moment in the next few months is just commit yourselves, if you would, individually and as a church body to just praying about how God would have you involved in this process. There are many ways that we're going to ask you to be involved financially, prayerfully, being a part of these short-term teams that will continue to come and help us train and disciple, maybe even leading some of these teams. There are many ways that you can be involved in this effort, but please understand that the work that God has called us to as a church is not just for the Toddy family. It's not just for us. God has called us as a church to be engaged in this work. So that takes all of us, this entire body of believers, to make disciples in the mountains of Lesotho, not just for us. So let me leave you with this. God is not just calling my family to the mountains of Lesotho. If that were the case, I think we'd have been gone a long time ago. But as we pay attention to the Lord's leading and we feel his presence and his spirit moving throughout uh, the work that we've been doing in Lesotho, first through the floor of family and through other churches, that are engaging the mountains of Lesotho. He's not just calling me and my wife and my family to go uproot our lives here and plant our lives in the mountains of Lesotho. He's calling River Oak to do that. We, as a family, just get the privilege to be the ones to go and to be a part of this work full-time. God has called us as a church to go and engage this people that are, that are lost in the darkness and have hardly any access to the light of Jesus to take the next step in this journey, to go and make disciples and to see God begin a disciple-making movement amongst the people of Lesotho. So our hope is by this time next year, by the fall of next year, that my family will be moving uh, to Lesotho and that many of you will be engaged in this work, if not all of you will be engaged in this work in very different ways for one purpose, for the glory of God to be known amongst the Basotho people in the Mahotlong region of the mountains. I'll bless you too. I mean, this is, you know, this is such a big deal. I mean, for us as a church to, you know, really be planting officially our first church, to be sending a missionary, like it's, it's such an amazing thing. I know for me just to kind of see, you know, how the two paths have merged together. Like I, I remember going, and watching Jim Flora in those mountains, who many of you know has passed away, he's with the Lord. Um, and I watched him just shine in that place. You could see his calling, you, should, you could see his gifts. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I went with Kyle, I just kind of stood back and was amazed at the way the Lord had, was using this guy and gifted this guy that I basically was like, yo, dude, you tell me what to do. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw the calling upon him and it wasn't 2006. I was still in middle school in 2006. <laughs> but again, to just see this uh, in a series of faith, we're in the story of Esther, right? To see the sovereignty of God behind the scenes. And I, I've challenged you to, to pay attention to that, right? To, to, to know that God is working when you can't see it, right? To know that God is in control when you can't see it. 
And it's been amazing just to watch, again, behind the scenes, how the Lord has connected these dots. And your wife, you know, I think of Kim, who spent months in India before you guys got, even got married and the heart she had to reach people with the gospel. Now to see the dynamic duo with Jace and Lily, and we are praying for you. And so can we just celebrate this again? Can we just give the Lord a round of applause for what he has done? So come right here, bro. Come right here. I'm going to invite you to stand, all right? We're going to pray. We're going to pray for this mission because as Kyle said, this is a calling to the people. He's a part of this, but what, what we talked about all week is we don't want to highlight just Kyle and Kim. We want to highlight the calling to Lesotho that Kyle and Kim now are a part of with us as River Oak. And see, we're, we're going to pray and then we're going to worship. And give, again, God the glory for what he's doing. So be in prayer. We'll come back what, early next year, yeah. I would say, to kind of roll out the D. There's a lot of things behind the scenes that we're still trying to figure out. But our prayers by next fall, by next fall, we will be sending this family to live amongst the people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join with me as we go to the Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Lord, in the life of our church, we thank you, Lord, for the message that you've given us, the hope of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, if there's one here who has never professed faith in the one Savior, Lord, we pray that you would stir that heart because, Lord, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. And Lord, we thank you for his death. We thank you for his burial. We thank you for his resurrection. Only we can stand and say that we worship a risen Savior. And because of that, Lord, you have given us the message to share with others in our families, in our communities, in this nation. But you have called us to the nations across the world. We thank you, Lord, for the calling to Lesotho. That is all your hand. We see that. We thank you, Lord, for the calling upon Kyle and Kim and their families. And so, Lord, we pray for you to work out the details. So many things that we have no control over, but that we trust you in. We put faith in. And you tell us without faith, it's impossible to please you. And so, Lord, as a church and as individuals, we proclaim faith in the God who never fails. So we ask you, Lord, to lead this. We ask you, Lord, to bless this. We ask you, Lord, to challenge our people. There are many sitting right, right now in this room that has no idea but that you're calling them to Africa. You're calling them either to pray or to support somehow to be a part of this mission. And so, Lord, may we be sensitive to that. But we give you praise as we stand on this stage and we celebrate the work that you have done to bringing us to this place to now be able to pass along, to plan a church, to send missionaries. What an amazing blessing that is. May you ordain it. May you lead it. We pray and we ask in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Don't leave yet. We're going to worship and then we're going to head out one more time. Can we give the Lord a round of applause for what he's done?